Hi, everyone. I'm Kalila Reynolds, and welcome to another edition of Taking Stock Live. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Now, before we get started, remember to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, and later on, of course, you can head over to the website, kalilareynolds.com. Make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter. It will come to your inbox twice a week. I see some people already know the drill. They're already dropping their location, but let me ask the question anyway. Where is everyone joining us from this evening? Drop your location in the comments. What part of the country, what part of the world are you right now? But before that, here's a look at what's coming up on tonight's show, followed by what's hot in business. Now, come on, let's get this money. <music> Paramount Trading just reported a 300% increase in net profits. That's its best revenue quarter ever. What led to the manufacturing company's record-breaking performance? CEO Hugh Graham will join us. And the analysts win on the latest market developments. Do you have a pension plan? Chances are you're part of the 82% of Jamaicans without a pension. The Pensions Industry Association of Jamaica is trying to change that. We'll discuss. Elon Musk has finally completed his acquisition of Twitter, but what happens next? And its earnings season in the United States. How did some of the top companies perform? But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. 36,000 tons of construction-grade limestone will be shipped from Jamaica to the United States this year. The shipment is the first of its kind for Jamaica and represents a major win for the limestone mining industry. According to Jampro, the limestone will be used to produce concrete aggregates in Savannah, Georgia. The agency said this shipment is the start of a series of regular deliveries into southeastern U.S. markets. Jamaica has one of the purest deposits of limestone globally, with over 50 billion tons of proven limestone reserves. Jampro said the global market size for limestone was valued at 73 billion U.S. dollars in 2020 and is projected to reach 113.6 billion by 2028. Two Sagico employees have been suspended for alleged fraud of more than $50 million. The employees have reportedly been charged with conspiracy to defraud and breaches of the Proceeds of Crime Act. According to the Jamaica Gleaner, between August and October this year, the employees conspired and defrauded U.S. currency accounts belonging to several Sagicor customers using fraudulent accounts they created. Sagicor said its management uncovered the fraud through its internal security systems. Haiti's already struggling economy is facing another devastating hit as the United States Department of Agriculture is said to shut down its manga pre-clearance program in Haiti by the end of January. The closure will effectively end Haiti's ability to export its Francesque mangoes to the U.S. The USDA blamed the program's closure on the worsening political and social challenges in Haiti, citing the safety of its inspectors as a major concern. Haitian officials said that the closure will seriously impact farmers, noting that last year the sector recorded more than 12 million U.S. dollars in revenue. Elon Musk is now the self-proclaimed chief of twit following his successful acquisition of Twitter. The $44 billion U.S. dollar deal was finalized last Thursday, putting the world's richest man in charge of one of the world's most influential social media platforms. Musk's first move as the boss was to fire several top Twitter execs, including CEO Parag Agrawal, CFO Ned Sagal, and policy head Vijaya Gad. The acquisition ends months of back and forth between Musk and Twitter. After initially agreeing to buy the company in April, Musk attempted to back out of the deal, first citing the number of bot accounts on the platform and then using allegations raised by a company whistleblower. The news was met with mixed reactions on social media, with some calling for a boycott of Twitter and Tesla, while others championed the move as a win for free speech. What's Hot was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy. 
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Let's shout out some of our early viewers. Let me see who we have online this evening, starting with Rodcliffe Green, who posted our first comment all the way from Portmore. How is it right now in Portmore? Is, is it hot? <laughs> is it cool? It's been raining a lot all over the island, so we dodged uh, another storm, thank goodness. Uh, Antoinette says she is here waiting in cold Arizona. It's going to be a great night. Hi, Antoinette. Fun fact, Antoinette is actually my middle name. So, hey, without the I, though, just Antoinette, not Antoinette, you know, like the, the fancy French Marie Antoinette. I'm just, they left out the I out on my one for some reason. Uh, Javon says, hi, moneymakers. Just want to say congrats on turning three. Thank you so much, Kevon. He says you're making an impact, and I believe you will reach the change, that your reach will change the current and future generation's views on finance. I surely hope so. That is the mission around these parts. Colette says, Kingston, ready to get that money. Moses joining us from Trinidad and Tobago, TNT in the house. Christine, Kingston 19 in the house. Then we have Orville, regular viewer, joining us from Spanish Town. Shout out to Orville. Kemoy is in Brooklyn, New York. Alton is in Port Antonio, Portland. Nessa in Old Harbor in the house. Lenworth, he knows that what's the deal. He says, investing is the new sexy so let's make it cool to talk about money <laughs> michael is in longville park freetown and then we have nano sense watching from far far away <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in so a lot is going on as usual and paramount trading recently reported one of its best quarters ever. Actually, I think it was the best quarter ever, not just one off. The company recorded a 60% increase in revenues and a 300% increase in net profit. So that's four times what they normally make. It's pretty impressive, right? So here to tell us how they accomplished this is founder and CEO of Paramount Trading, Hugh Graham. Hi, Hugh. Good evening. Uh, let me open. <laughs> yes, good evening, Khalil. You, you might need to turn on your camera, Hugh. Yes, uh, there we go. We're good, we're good. Yes, yes, good to see you. Perfect. It's been a minute. I don't think I've seen you since COVID. Yes, um, you know, COVID has caused some changes, but we're getting back together again and um, making things happen. Absolutely, and it's actually your first time on this show, so welcome to Taking Stock. Yes, it's good to be here, and um, I hope that your viewers, your listeners um, would be equally excited to have me on, on the program and talking to well, you I'm and sure talking they are. to them. I'm sure they are, given what you are reporting. Now, Paramount has been around for over 30 years, but you still have uh, quite a few people who might not be familiar with the company and what you do. So just tell us what you do over there at Paramount Trading. Okay, basically, we're a chemical company, so we're involved in industry. So we make bleach, for example, for a lot of persons who market uh, uh, bleach that you would see in the supermarket or on the shelves of shops, as an example. We make lube oil, like engine oil and um, oil for industry. So... Again, um, we're called white label, so we do brands um, for companies that are marketing companies. We have food chemicals, as in chemicals that goes into food added to make it taste better, um, uh, last longer on the shelf, like a preservative, mm. and um, make it look better in terms of like a, a drink, so it's not um, separating. And also industrial chemicals, so the hand sanitizers, uh, some people might remember that we were the primary support uh, behind the government during the COVID period when there was no uh, vaccination and all of that. And I remember. So we were there supporting the government to allow for um, 
the country to, to keep going. And um, the companies that also donated uh, alcohol to, to the government, we were their partners in packaging um, um, those products for them. So uh, a little bit of, of what we do. So we're the, the background people making things work. Awesome. I understand that you also have a, a trucking company. What role does that play in the business? Yes. So we we do uh, trucking and transport. So a logistics arm. So not only that we move our own products to deliver to our customers or on behalf of our customers, but we also, uh, if you want to say, sell the, the excess capacity that we have to our customers. So yes, we haul containers and goods for, for our customers that um, depend on us to do that in a reliable and cost-effective way. Makes sense. So Paramount Trading has a presence in a lot of industries based on the things that you told me that you just manufacture and distribute. So you're in construction, hotels, bauxite and mining, restaurants, manufacturing you also sell to homeowners how much do each of these contribute to the overall business so the segments from the if you call it raw material uh sales as in imported not really touched um or changed in any way that no is about one 1.1 billion from the one point uh, eight that we uh, we did last last year last period. The rest of that is primarily the from the manufacturing. Uh, since we have moved into manufacturing to do like bleach and um, uh, lubricants, as as I said before. So now we're we're growing the manufacturing part of the business because as COVID has taught us that we need to have some local capacity because when the other countries close their borders and, and stop shipping, you know, stuff like alcohol to us where we needed for, for our COVID uh, fight, we realize that we more than ever need to have some local capacity uh, to have Absolutely. products manufactured in Jamaica. Absolutely. So I do remember Paramount being at the forefront when manufacturing and producing hand sanitizers for uh, for everybody, basically. But COVID-19 would have also seen the closure or the slowdown of many of the industries that you supply. So how did that affect the company? So we were affected by, you know, the same things that, that, that all persons were affected. But... The good thing is that we pivoted and um, we just changed early. We recognized that we had to change and we had to do things differently. And we were equipped to do so because fortuitously, and some person would say the blessing of the father, years ago we bought a Johnson Diverse's factory, like 14 years ago. So we were equipped. Um, to make that change and to to start to to manufacture and package hand sanitizer that helped the the country in general so so that helped us and when like lube oil wasn't doing well because there are no cars running because in a three months everything was locked down um we kept uh employees at work and we're also uh, one of the companies that were allowed to function during the lockdown so yeah it um it worked well both for both for paramount and for jamaica and um yeah to god be praised mm, well that's great well let's talk about these results and i, I'm, I see a question coming in in the chat. So let's just take the question from Aline to introduce the results. Aline wants to know why we didn't see this type of increase during the COVID-19 pandemic. Which product lines are responsible 
for the massive increase in revenue. So first of all, tell us, set the scene for us. What happened in this past quarter? All right. So some things have changed in the, in the last quarter in that um, the manufacturing has stepped up. So we made some changes um, in our manufacturing and in our factory uh, uh, setup. So we employed or onboarded a factory manager with a lot more experience than we had. And that, that contributed to the change um, in the manufacturing to deliver better quality products and, and more products in a timely way. So we got better at that. Also, as um, to the question, raw materials, which was a big part of what we do, uh, was not the main player during the, the COVID lockdown period. So if you were not selling toilet paper or selling food or, you know, bleach or hand sanitizer, then you really weren't doing much because there wasn't really much need for anything else. So that's the difference in the change. And we spent a lot of time during the COVID time to prepare ourselves because we thought that there would be an end or there would be a different day to the day of the heavy lockdown. So we spent a lot of time preparing, not just physical plant and so on, but also uh, the upskilling and the mental fortitude and the change that would be necessary coming out of COVID. So even though you're now seeing these results, it is not uh, a new thing because the seeds for these results were sown some time ago. Yes. So the, the work really continued and we, we did a lot of work during, during that time. We, we, we didn't um, waste the opportunities that we had um, according to how we saw the opportunities. Um, we really you know, dig our heels in and, and try to make the best of it within the circumstance. Yeah. You know, it's an, it's an interesting point though, Hugh, because we see results like this and many business owners are looking for that magic bullet, right? And they want to forex their profits in a three month period. They want to increase their revenues by 60% in a three month period. But you have to realize that it's not just that quick fix that magic bullet or that one-off because we're looking for, okay, did Paramount acquire something? What did Paramount do? But you're making the case or you're making the point that you did a number of things over the past two years that are now beginning to, to see this. So, so on that point then, Hugh, can we expect to see these numbers sustained and see additional revenue growth going forward in the, the coming quarters? Well, I would believe so because the fundamentals are in place and we're still clarifying some things we're onboarding um, some different talents and uh, as you know business isn't easy it's probably the easiest part about it is to talk about it but <laughs> <laughs> the the change of mindset and the change of persons and for persons to believe that uh we can be different and uh, having persons believe in a vision, even though they're not seeing it, is, is not an easy uh, task. So we've done a lot of things differently. We've onboarded um, persons to help us uh, mentally, if you want to say psychologically, to, to, to create the change. And, mm. you know, as well as onboard um, other talents. So we they believe have an in-house psychologist now. So yeah, we do have um, a counselor that is um, pretty much on board for oh. any person who want to 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 speak and have conversations because we that's great. We've seen it coming out of COVID that we you know persons have all all kinds of issues, but if if people are not at their best, they can't be their Absolutely. best. So they can't give their best. 
So it's, it might seem like a waste of money, but it's really no, not. No, 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 no. Uh, Have you seen the show Billions, the TV, the Netflix show Billions? I haven't, but tell so me, maybe I should. It's interesting because they employ like a, a top of the line psychiatrist and all their leaders must go to her regularly and she helps them to overcome any mental barriers that they may have in meeting their targets and so on. It's interesting that you now have this in-house counselor for your team. And, you know, in this age where mental health really matters. Yes, and, and we find that, um, like myself, a lot of us struggle with, with the changes and, you know, real life changes. And it, it was evident that strengthening and supporting your team members would really help to make them better and a better person is just better across the board so they're going to give more and um, of themselves and if people are happy they're happy so we we believe it is working for us and it has done well and it's a model that we will continue to improve upon and uh, alone for more access even externally so that persons can have more access to to persons just to talk to and and it doesn't matter it could be about work i don't know what they talk about you know about life and struggles and how right. you you do things but pretty much a better person is a better person and, and right. we believe in that Absolutely. Let's take a couple more questions from the audience. So this one comes from Javon, who wants to know how long Paramount Traders has been around and how do you plan to be a company of the future? Okay. Some good questions. So we started in 1991. So we're just over 30 years old. And uh, we have pivoted and we have making our moves in the manufacturing space, which we will continue to, to dig into. So we have a loop plant that we have built five, six years ago, thereabout, and we need to build out that plant to make sure that we have full capacity, 24 hours uh, working and focus on the next step is into export in more uh, a structured way. So right now we export, but it's on a spot basis, but we need to, to step that up, that every, every week we have some containers going out and, or every uh, month. So we where can do you export to now? So we do spot to, we have done spot to Trinidad, we have done to, even even to to Miami, we've you know um, done a spot shipment, and uh, um, so there are one or two two countries that um, come to us. And so by we, spot shipment, you mean just like a one-off, maybe? If yes, a one-off. Yeah. Maybe they're having but, like but, a supply issue. They come to you, and you just fill up right. fill out that one-off need. Correct. Yeah. But what we want to yeah. do is establish proper relationships with, with distributors and or importers that we can support in a proper way. So that's what we are working on now. So we're working with JamPro to, to develop um, that they have a program, Export Max, that they're working with us and um, they provide mentorship and all of that um, for companies like Paramount. And as you know, the export market has its own nuances. Every mm -hmm. country has its own rules. So it's not just a walk in the park. You, you, you have to learn how to do it and to do it properly. Absolutely. So That's a there. huge opportunity, that export market. I mean, the world is your oyster. Yes, and, and you, you, we have to go there because Jamaica is only 3 million, right? So, you know, you can add some millions by tapping into to these other countries. And whereas we're manufacturing, then, you know, CARICOM, you know, becomes a thing. So you can go into the countries without tariff. And as you know, uh, great things are happening in Guyana. So we shouldn't 
sit in Jamaica and allow all that great thing to pass us yes. and not get a piece of it. Big opportunity over in our South American neighbor. So following up on that question about how long Paramount has been around, 30 years, you said, uh, and you've been on the junior market of the Jamaica Stock Exchange for just about 10 years. Next year, 2023, will be 10 years. So it's going to be the end of your 10-year tax break. So how have you prepared for this uh, this change coming up next year? Well, the preparation, as you know, you can't wait. So one good way to deal with that is to make profit so you can pay your taxes. Yes. <laughs> you, don't pay your <laughs> you have to make profit to pay your tax. So, good answer, yes. You know, we're, we're, we're definitely sizing up. And, and what you're seeing is the move towards that, that we um, um, making the move coming out of covid and continue to to make the move and as as we go further and dig deeper in the manufacturing um we definitely hope to be you know a force to reckon with and um you know a, a part of the the big boys because we're out of the junior now or or soon so we we have to join the big boys and and do what they do so you know all the main market players um we have to represent with them and 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 emulate them and you know justify our position of that the, the time on the junior market wasn't wasted no oh, perfect yes yes i love to see it next question comes from alton speaking of those profits he wants to know will any of these earnings be passed on to investors in the form of dividends well, that, that question, I'm not sure how I can answer that because we have some rules. So being on the stock market, there are some rules before making announcement that you need to inform your, your um, regulators, like the Jamaica Stock Exchange. And also that's a call for the board. So in terms of what we, we had in our IPO, is that 25% of our profits will be paid in dividends. In terms of how the dividends are paid, in terms of when the dividends are paid, that's a decision that is decided by the board and based on the strategic direction. And um, that will inform that. So that's, that's not strictly left up to me to decide. You know, if, if that were left up to me, then for sure. Um, well, when when last have you paid dividends? The last financial year we paid dividends, the last financial year. So 2021. It's something that we believe in. And I said it's in the, it was in the IPO. But um, as, as you know, that's, that's a decision that the board takes based on the the, the company and its objectives and um, its growth um, agenda. So I would want to dig too much into that and, and get myself into trouble and have Mrs. Street Forest from the Jamaica Stock Exchange you know, calling me and, and chiding me about making public announcements and not mm -hmm. doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. The so next question, speaking of the IPO, comes from Lenworth, who says IPO price was two dollars forty-three cents back in twenty twelve, but it closed at one ninety-five today. Any plans to help the share price move up, share buyback, or mergers? Well, um, just to set it in context, you're correct. Um, we went on at two forty-three, but the stock went up to, I think, 30, almost $35, and we had a 10 to 1 split. So um, I'd ask that that be taken into consideration when you're looking at the 195, because if you look at that, then um, it would have a different look uh, than uh, just 243 and, and right. your 195 because you actually went up to $35. So um, I'd ask the bear that. What year was the stock split? Ah, good, good question. 
could be five years ago. I, I did not have that answer for you. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a minute. Yes. Suffice it to but, say, it's been a little while, a few years. Yeah, but a few years that we had the stocks, which so it could be before uh, five, six years ago. And uh, so, yes, the other side of the question, though, in terms of um, the share price moving up, I think we're doing the right things, making profit. And uh, I believe that um, would be the main driver once a company is profitable and is showing that profit, then um, persons would be interested in buying the stock because they want to be a part of a good thing. So, yeah, I would say say we're doing uh, reasonably well because we're coming from just out of COVID. We're coming probably from a dollar um, or close to a dollar. And we've traded now um, above $2. So I think that the, the fundamentals are correct. And um, you, will see, you will see big things coming um, as we go along. Big things. You know, I always have to ask about what's coming up next. So I have a couple more questions that I'm going to take from the audience. And I notice as well that they're saying that the stock split was in 2016. So the audience on taking stock here, always on their game. They know their information. So the stock split was 2016. So a couple more questions. This one coming from Khalil Mitchell, who wants to know, what are the plans for the growth of the business segment related to road materials and asphalt? Okay, so the Seeker construction products, which we haven't spoken a lot about, is one of the big growth areas in the construction. Because as you know, construction is up 12 and a half, nearly 13%. And we are also benefiting from, from the growth of, of that sector. So our construction products and, and segment has grown quite a bit uh, as well. In terms of the expansion of, of the construction products, I can't say at this point which direction we would go, but there are quite some interesting things happening in construction. And uh, we are looking at that and we want to, to really play in, in the future. So where you have... Um, you know, low carbon construction and you get into to carbon credits and um, that kind of a thing. Um, those areas are quite interesting and futuristic uh, for us in terms of growth areas. And those are some of the things that we are interested in to look at how we progress in the areas that can help the environment to be better and to sustain ourselves and to make sure that when we make money, we can enjoy it mm. because we look after, you know, where we live, you know. Absolutely. So the final question now comes from Elaine, who wants to know how important is R&D to the company? And do you have any new product lines in the making? Right. R&D is absolutely important because it's a future. And we're always um, at it. We, we have a number of chemists on board. And um, the base, our base is technical. So we, we have a good uh, team of technical persons. And we're always looking at um, the research and development area. And it's, it's a difficult area to say much about because then you probably give away some of the things you're working on, like I, I just gave, uh, um, you know, a little tidbit about how we're working in the future to about these these um, carbon positive buildings and and construction. So, but yes, is is very important, and there's a lot of work that 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 we're doing, and. We, for example, R&D has brought those sodium baking powder that we don't do well in, in marketing, but that came from R&D for the persons who 
are interested and their dietary needs um, are restricted and, and they want to go to low sodium products, for example. Um, so that's, that's one product that R&D has, has developed and delivered. So we tend to look at things that bring value, not just to our pockets, but value to, to people. And, and to persons, your life can be better by choosing um, some options. Um, you know, sugar substitutes and sweeteners, that kind of thing that can help to provide options in terms of people, persons, dietary needs, and so on. So, right. yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Hugh. I wish you all the best with Paramount Trading. We will continue to keep our eye on what you guys are doing over there. And let me know when you start the consistent exports because we need to get that U.S. money, right? Indeed. Indeed. When you sign that deal, just make mm -hmm. sure you let us know over here at Taking Stock. That was Hugh Grant, CEO and Hugh Graham, sorry, CEO <laughs> and founder of Paramount Trading. Let's go to our audience for this week's poll question. How do you feel about Elon Musk finally completing his buyout of Twitter? So, A, it's about time. B, I feel like I should be scared. C, look at eyes. Hmm? D, hmm? <laughs> Or other, you can just leave a comment and you can take that poll on Twitter or in the community section of YouTube. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. The JSE Combined Index lost almost 15,000 points or 4% in October. 129 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the month. 37 made gains, 81 lost value and 11 stayed the same. 470 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $2.3 billion. Now here's a look at some of the highlights for the month of October. The main index fell almost 4%. The junior market fell 4%. The financial index lost 5%, and the manufacturing and distribution index lost 2%. Wigton Wind Farm was October's most traded stock. It took up 23% of market volume, with people buying and selling 109 million shares in the company. The stock opened in November at 67 cents. The stock was also the second biggest gainer for the month. Fosrich was the month's second most traded stock. It gained 15 cents to open the new month at $4.28. And Trans-Jamaican Highway rounded out October's most traded. It lost $0.10 cents to start November at $1.37. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the month. Knotsford Express was October's biggest gainer. The stock opened the new month at $9.64 after gaining 29%. And JMMB Group 7.25% was the third biggest gainer behind Wigton Wind Farm. The stock was up 20% to start November at $3.16. On the losing side now, MPC Caribbean Clean Energy USD was last month's biggest loser down 39% to open the new month at 61 cents US. PBS 9.75% cumulative redeemable was the month's second biggest loser. The stock was down 23% to open November at $107. And rounding out the biggest losers was Epley Caribbean Property Fund SCC. The stock fell 22%, closing the month at $38.01. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the Composite Index lost 27 points last month. Massey was the most traded stock for the month. It opened November at $4.50 DT. LJ Williams Limited was the market's biggest gainer, up 7%, to open the new month at $2.20 DT. And on the losing side, JMMB Group fell 10% to open the week at $2 TT. It was a relatively good month for U.S. exchanges. The Dow Jones was up 11%. The S&P 500 gained 5% and the Nasdaq gained almost 2%. At the pumps, gas prices fell $8.75 in October. 
However, diesel prices got more expensive by $3.06 a litre. In foreign exchange, overall, the Jamaican dollar weakened in October, losing $1.34 to close the month at an average $154.13 for one US dollar. The Jamaican dollar also weakened against the British pound and the euro last month. Finally, on the crypto markets, Bitcoin prices rose 5% over the past 30 days. The cryptocurrency was trading at 20,480 US dollars on Monday. And Ethereum rose 18% over the past 30 days, trading at $1,571 on Monday. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts, is brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. Disclaimer. This is not intended as financial advice. Please consult a licensed financial advisor before making investment decisions. All right, welcome back. It is time now for the analysts. But first, let me take a few more of your comments. And I see some good ones coming in. A shout out, first of all, to Coconuts About You, who says, hello, it's my first time joining from the Turks and Caicos Islands. We always love having first timers and we hope to have you back. Chantel says, I look forward to the country capitalizing on this opportunity to export limestone and remember to ensure environmental sustainability as it does so. And then nonsense, come with the nonsense. <laughs> well, let me not call it nonsensical. Who knows? He says, Elon should hire Kanye as Twitter's new CEO. <laughs> You got jokes. I see why you call yourself what you call yourself. And then Corrine saying, just hope Trump doesn't get back access. I'm sure that uh, he actually is going to because Elon already says that he plans to unban all these people. And then we have a comment here from Elaine saying, IPO in the atmosphere. Everyone's selling off to get their 10K shares. Blood is in the streets, but opportunities are calling something is coming. I told you what about two weeks ago that something is coming up and possibly this week, quite possibly this week, something is coming. I don't know what exactly yet, but you're right. IPO absolutely is in the atmosphere. So it's time now for the analysts and it's another girl power analyst show tonight. I'm joined by trader at JMMB Group, Shauna K. Kelly and founder and CEO of Profit Jumpstarter, Keisha Bailey. Welcome, ladies. Hi, good evening. Hi, 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 hi. Hey, great to see you. I love when we have all women on because in this industry, it's often all men. So give the ladies yes. a turn. Yeah. So, Shauna Kay, this evening we are talking not about a specific stock, but an issue that's important to personal finance, and that is a pension plan. And why is it important to have a pension plan as a part of your investment portfolio? You see, Kalila, that's the thing that a lot of persons doesn't um, persons don't understand is that pension is also a part of your investment portfolio. And um, one should have a pension fund because um, it depends on the pension fund that you have, whether you're a government worker or a private um, sector worker, you need a pension that will supplement that investment portfolio because bear in mind that no reward is guaranteed when you invest. So you need to leave a little bit in the kitty to ensure that you're able to fund the lifestyle that you want after retirement and one of the great things about investing in a pension fund is that you get tax benefits so explain that all right so for most of us when we invest and when we sell stocks or we buy stocks or we get dividends what we see is that government takes its share of or profit or cap gain whatever it is government do take their share so with our pension we're able now to take funds from our salary and we act, it's actually taken out before government takes their percentage of your salary. And then when it goes into a pension fund, what happens is that your return is not taxed, your dividend is not taxed, everything goes towards your future retirement. And... Um, for me, that's a big plus because you save a lot because government takes out close to 25%. So imagine you being able to take out more 
before government can take their portion of taxes from your salaries and you get to invest that in a vehicle that does not charge taxes um they do charge some fees but there are things in place to ensure that you know if they don't meet a certain requirement in terms of interest rate or excess over inflation then you won't pay any fees so i mean that's a win-win situation for anybody Right. That is a, that's a huge benefit of investing in a pension fund. You get to put that away before the government gets to touch your money. Uh, somebody, however, is noticing, noting, strongly noting that the tax is actually deferred because when you withdraw it upon retirement, you do have to pay tax on it at that point. Is that correct? Um, that is, is correct. But here, here's the thing you are now investing and what we normally see is that investment managers go out there and they look high yielding instruments so even if you're paying taxes on the back end we get to have our cake and eat it because we don't pay taxes on it when it leaves our salary and we don't pay taxes on it when we get capital gain dividend distribution so we're actually getting our cake and eating it at the same time and let's look at it this is for some of us this is 40 years in the future for some of us this is 10 years in the future so if you are able to save taxes for th on 10 years of investment i mean we can be grateful and say okay government can get their portion at the end of the day Right, because you still get the benefit of having that money work for you, work in your interest over those multiples of years Correct. that the government could have had that money. So Strongling says, yes, it's still very advantageous or advantageous. How do you pronounce that word? <laughs> uh, Keisha, what's your thoughts on those? Because Teron says that pension fund is for those with a nine to five mindset. Do you agree with that? Not necessarily. So the, the thing with pension investing or retirement planning in general is the, the ability to be able to invest pre-tax money. So think about it. You're investing that $5 before tax. So you have the ability for that $5 to grow over the long term. And then the tax is taken at the end. That's a better position to be in than be investing $3 after tax and then leaving that to grow. So way more efficient from a tax perspective. Now, with all these new investment options, you don't necessarily need to be in a pension plan in your nine to five. You have independent retirement solutions. I think like JMB has that you can invest in as a self-employed person or a sole proprietor, or you know, you're doing your own little hustling. You still have to think about the future. So you have to also, you could also do one of these independent retirement solutions. They are very good. They are still investments. And of course, everything has to speak to each other, but you can have that as well. So not necessarily something for the 95. Retirement plan is something for the everybody because everybody's going to retire. So you have to think about it, whether you're doing it in a pension fund where you have the ability of getting that matching from the employer or so forth, or you're doing it on your own in an independent retirement solution, but you're still contributing to your future retirement. That's what's critical. Right. So Corrine is making the point that tax is deferred, but 30 years tax-free is still exactly. a great deal. So any other points on, on the pension plan issue? All right. So for me, Kalila, um, what a lot of persons don't understand is that as time progress, we do have inflation to contend with, that, like what we're contending with now. And so for me, going into a pension plan where not only you contribute, but so, to some extent your employer contribute on your behalf as well, it means that you're getting extra money that... Yes, you've worked for it, but um, you're getting extra money in some sense to keep you at that point in time. Bear in mind, you know, we always say that pension is just a part of what you need, just a part of what you need to survive after retirement. It's not the holy grail or anything like that. It's just 
part of what you need. So the more you have is the more comfortable your lifestyle with, will be because over time you're used to a certain lifestyle and when that cash flow stops coming, um, you're going to be in problems. So you want to ensure that, you know, while you're in your 20s, your early 20s, and some persons might think that's too early for retirement planning. Mm-hmm. It's never too early. It's never too early because they. I don't feel like it's too early. I think a lot of people, like if you're my age in your forties, people might think it's too late. Is it too late to start? It's never too late to start um, because, as as it is right now, what we see is that you know there's still the investment managers that are out there. Not everybody is as aggressive, but you do have some aggressive pension fund managers out there that will work with you to help you to build that retirement portfolio that you're looking for in terms of pension. Um, There are still other things, as I've said before, that will go with this. So you have your pension fund, whether it's your individual retirement scheme or you have a you're contributing to one of the approved scheme that we have here in Jamaica. It's never too late to start. And of course, you have some great programs there at JMMB. So just link Shana K and her team if you're interested in one of their pension funds. We wrap up this little segment with two comments that I see from our viewers, two very interesting comments. So one of them comes from Roswell, who says pension is fine. However, pension is still invested into companies and equities based on the economic conditions in any year. The pension fund does not guarantee the return one would love. And then another comment following up on that came from Lenworth, who said, I always find it interesting how pension funds are considered safe and stocks are considered riskier, but pension funds invest in stocks. (laughs) What what are your thoughts on that, Keisha? It's the the investing philosophy. So pension funds are long-term in nature. The managers of the pension fund, being an ex-portfolio manager myself, we tend to look long-term. And that's where the whole safety comes from because our horizon tends to be five five years or more. Flip it now when you're doing your own personal trading. For some persons, you're in stocks less than a day. So more risk for the short-term trades. But with pension plan. It's people's retirement. So it has a long-term focus. There's much more planning around risk management, having loss thresholds in place. So that's where the safety comes from, the strength of the investment process. Mm. And I know I said I was going to wrap up this, but I wanted to take this last one as well, because this was an interesting one. Kalila, before you go, before you go on. No, I'm not wrapping up yet. Let me just make this point and then I'll come back to you, Shauna Key. Empress says, why not invest directly in the stock market since the pension is based off the activity of the stock market? Maybe you tuned in late, Empress. The tax benefits, you don't get the same tax benefits if 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 you invest directly in the stock market as opposed to putting it in a pension fund. So go ahead, Shauna Key. All right. This is in relation to the first question that was asked, right? Um, as it is right now, the pension um, industry of Jamaica, they're seeking to get persons, um, once you're working, once you're employed, to be auto-enrolled in a pension plan. And what this means is that, you know, more money will be there to spend on different instruments, which will cause the fund to diversify risk. And not only does that cause the fund to diversify more, but what it will do, it, it will now leave the regulators to come up with a plan to expand the range or the universe of instruments that the pension funds can um, invest in because as it is right now i think the pension fund has to invest 90 percent of their funds in local instruments Um, if we get more persons on board it means we have more cash and um, there are certain um, industries like the msc mse industry um, angel investing industry those industry will need funds. So if the 
if the, the, the regulators allow the pension fund to invest in more things, these are some of the things that, you know, they will happily go for because these have higher returns. Yes, there's still risk associated with it, but with reward come risk. And we want to ensure, as I said before, that, you know, our pension fund managers, they're beating inflation. We're not just matching inflation, but beating inflation because you want to ensure that when you put down your $5, you're not getting $5 in the end or your spending power is not $5 in the end, but maybe $15 or $20 in the end. So yes, we do um, invest in stock, in, the, in stock market right now, but based on what is happening in the pension space, I think that, you know, the regulators will loosen up a little bit and, you know, the universe of securities that we can invest in will get um, larger. Yeah, I do remember hearing that discussion earlier this year and last year as well about what pension funds will be allowed to invest in. And it seems that we touched on a, a very uh, important topic. I see lots of comments coming in on this pension topic in the chat. So we may need to circle back to this issue in another show. So we have a couple other things to discuss overseas Keisha, you have been following the Twitter Days of Our Lives drama. Yes. Elon Musk <laughs> has completed his acquisition of Twitter. And you just give us the update. What's going on with Twitter? So finally, you know, they said finally it's happening to me. It's it's finally here for Elon Musk. Finally, the the moment he's waited for for how many of our months is here. It's it has happened already. Elon Musk completed the acquisition of Twitter last week for 44 billion dollars that is great because what essentially is going to happen now he's going to take the company private the company is going to now be delisted he also made a series of changes once he came in so right away he fired the previous ceo parag agrawal he's gone also the board has been dissolved and Quickly to implement, we, we spoke earlier about, you know, whether Trump will be back on. Um, he, um, Elon Musk had indicated possibly bringing Trump's account back on, but Trump had said, you know, he's done with Twitter. So we'll see how that plays out. But essentially, Elon Musk has come in, cleaned um, house a bit, and he's now today announced that he's now going to be implementing a new program where you pay a subscription fee to have that blue tick. $20 a month. So he's revamping that whole re um, the verification process, which right away, that straight revenue coming in a good move, right? So we're still waiting to see what other changes will occur. What else is coming on? I see also that Elon Musk. I need to see how that verification thing will, will work though, the paid for verification, because I feel like it defeats the purpose if you can simply pay for verification. But I, I don't know what the rules are going to be. If they still will go through the rigid verification process where you apply, yeah. and then once you get the verification, then you have to pay that monthly subscription fee. But have you had a chance to observe the market's reaction since this deal was completed? Well, so the market's really looking at the series of changes that are coming. Are any of them going to bring more revenue? But it's going to be a private company, so not much we can do from an investment perspective. The shares are going to be delisted in short order. So we just really are looking to see what the moves will be for that company. And already straight revenue increasing coming through that subscription model right away. And also they... The programmers, the developers from Tesla are looking at the algorithm that Twitter uses to see if there are any opportunities for improving the algorithm. So moves are being made, still early days and watching. But um, for us as investors, not much you can do if you're going to do very short-term trades ahead of the delisting. But still, not much activity will be taking place because we know the delisting is coming. Do we have any timeline on the delisting? I haven't seen anything really come up as yet. But it's coming. It's gone private now. So, okay. Looking All right. Forward. Well, we keep our eye on it. So the other thing is that it is earnings season in the United States. So how did some of the top companies do? Not so well. Not, last week was, you know, a, a bloodbath on, on the tech companies. Um, 
it, it was a roller coaster. So, so far for the Q3 2022 earnings season, 71% of the S&P 500 companies have reported and they've reported positive EPS. 68% of the companies have reported positive revenue growth. So that's looking good. What um, a lot of investors like myself have been looking at is the forward guidance. What is management saying about the future? Is it is management very optimistic? Is management saying, you know, we're, we're expecting recession, we're doing layoffs, we're doing cost cutting? So far, 28 companies have issued negative EPS guidance and 14 have issued positive EPS guidance. So still more negative guidance coming out. We see that now where companies that have reported negative guidance are being punished. You see the stock falling for Amazon a lot last week and Meta Platform. They were both down over 20% in. Yeah, Meta is taking a liquid. Yeah, it was, it was brutal, very brutal. But the they guidance generally is not very optimistic right now. So that doesn't really augur well for us as investors because we want things to look rosy. We want companies stepping out and ready to invest in growth. If they are not doing that, it creates more challenges now in terms of stock price because profits move share price. If the companies aren't optimistic about their share price, we're going to have a problem there. With I feel like when it comes to, to Meta, a lot of investors seem to be quite impatient with the move that they're making toward, you know, all the investment that they're making in the Metaverse. But they have to understand that Metaverse, and they said it, um, Mark Zuckerberg said it when they changed the name to Meta, they rebranded. This is a long-term play. It's not an overnight thing that they're going to be reaping any rewards from, uh, from yeah. their investment in the Metaverse. But yep. do you think it's fair of investors to, to say, you know, you're spending all this money on, on the metaverse and this futuristic project, but we need stuff now because Facebook has been bleeding, especially since Apple introduced this new, um, this thing where you allow the users to, to block the ads, to opt in. Right. To ads. Yeah. Yeah, so their correct. revenue model has taken a hit since that. I remember earlier this year, I think it was in March, I attended the AdWorld Marketing Conference. And that was like the number one topic. Yeah, yes, Everybody was huge. so scared that, you know, we can't make any money selling Facebook or selling our stuff through Facebook ads anymore. Right. Yeah, it's been big um, this year for a lot of the, the tech companies. Ad revenue has really taken a big hit because of that move from Apple. The thing also... Meta did announce, even with the name change, that we are moving in this direction. It is going to take time, but with investors, you have to keep repeating the same thing. Still, though, um, the main thinking was that Meta was overvalued because what happened at the announcement of you know the change in name and the move toward the metaverse, the stock price really ran up very quickly in anticipation of what was to come. Nothing really had materialized, so we have to have a, a short-term correction. The valuation has to come down to reflect the reality that the metaverse does take time to build out. I believe that's what's happening. Just a, a little shake up, you know, get rid of the fat a bit and really get the company closer back to its true valuation. Mm. So David letting us know that Twitter's delisting date is November 8th. So that's next week right here. Monday right. coming. And then Just we have like a question that. or really a comment from Roswell who says Apple has business lines. However, I do believe they still need to do more not just phones with different features. What do you think, Keisha? Well, they announced they're coming over their health services. That's going to be a big game changer because it started with the Apple Watch and you know, tracking health. That's going to be a really good revenue source for, the, from, for them because they're going to likely go the subscription route and give you different health metrics which you need. So they are coming with additional revenue streams. Samsung already does that for free. Well, I, I, I anticipate the Apple services may be a bit more <laughs> elevated. We'll see what they come with. Oh, you're you're one of those. You're one of those people, Keisha. Here about yes, Apple services. Yes, I have a lot elevated. of the shares. I'm pushing everybody your to go into it. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we will keep our eyes on all of these stocks. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And thank you, Shauna Kay, for introducing the pension discussion. It's something we absolutely have to follow up on another one of these weeks. Thanks again, ladies. All right. Take care. We will take a quick break and come back with the final words and your final comments here on Taking Stock.
This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilareynolds.com slash store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this. So unsatisfying. Let's get this money. <laughs> That's our show for this week. And okay, so next week, Tuesday is November 8th. Today is the first. For some reason, I had today as Monday in my head. So I was thinking one week from today is next week, Monday. Next week, Tuesday is November 8th. So that's going to be the delisting date for Twitter stock. All right. Thank you so much for watching yet another week. Make sure you like the video if you haven't done so just yet. Subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Subscribe to the newsletter, guys. KalilaReynolds.com slash newsletter is the place to be. And remember that all new email subscribers get a free copy of my broker guide. Make sure you turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see everything when it drops. And we do have a lot dropping in November and especially in December that you don't want to miss. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kalila Ray, and follow at KRM underscore business news on Instagram. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. And you can also visit my website, kalilareynolds.com for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch listen or read. Just so you know, we do have a podcast version of this show. Now tell a friend about taking stock because investing is the new sexy. So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. See you next week. Let's get this money. <laughs>